Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Wisdom Awakening. I'm your host, Bishop E.W. Jackson, here on the Awakening Network. And I'm glad to be with you again this morning. I have to tell you, the first thing I want to get out and, and get on the table this morning is I, because I, I almost I almost can't believe it. You know, I sometimes I even I feel like I overuse the word stupid or idiot because some of the things he's left to say, I, you, I just can't find any other way of describing it. I mean, it, it, is, it is complete idiocy. It is gross stupidity, not to mention that it's often immoral and evil. But part of the stupidity is that they're dumb enough to say these things. Well, I'm talking about Sotomayor. Sotomayor, Justice Sotomayor, yesterday during the hearing made this ridiculous comment. She said that she compared a living baby being carried in its mother's womb and said, well, you, you shouldn't call it a baby. You should call it a fetus. Yeah, but you know what? When a woman finds out she's pregnant, she doesn't say I'm having a fetus. She says I'm having a baby. I'm pregnant. I'm having a baby. She doesn't ever refer to it as a fetus. Fetus is a, is a word that the left has come up with to dehumanize that child and say that, that child is not real, is not human. And in fact, I've been, my daughter, my, my youngest daughter is pregnant, and we've been looking at the, at the sonograms and, and, and just marveling at this baby, you know, talking about, about who she looks like already. And, you know, that's in four months. Who, who, wow, she looks just like you, Jackie. I mean, this is a human being in its nascent stages in the same way that a child, when first born outside its mother's womb, they say, well, now the child can live independent of its mother. No, it cannot. If the mother and everybody else walks away, the child will lay there and die. It cannot live independently. All you can say is it can now survive without being inside its mother connected to her umbilical cord. That's all. But the child can't live on its own, which is exactly why Leftists feel it's okay to kill an unborn baby if it was intended to be abortion. Just finish the job. The child's outside the womb. The child's alive, but kill it anyway. Well, Sotomayor had the unmitigated gall, and I say stupidity and idiocy because even if she thinks this way, she should have been smart enough not to say it. But when, when one of the uh, attorneys said that, look, in fact, I think... <clears throat> I think I've got the exact, uh, I think I've got the exact quotes here. But one of the attorneys says, well, look, you know, science has improved. We've come a long way. Yeah, here it is. I've got it. Um, Mississippi Solicitor General Scott Stewart says, I think it's an advancement in knowledge and concern about such things as fetal pain, what we know the child is doing and looks like and is fully human. Makes sense, right? I just talked about my own personal experience. You know, looking at my my grandchild, you're looking at the sonogram. That's that's a baby, <laughs> you know, and she's moving and she's kicking and she's you know in some way you sense responding to what she can sense of the outside environment. She's sleeping. She's awake. 
This is a human being in her nascent stages. The same way I was in those that stage one point at one point, and you were in that stage at one point. Here's how Sotomayor responds to this. You know, in about 40% of dead people who, if you touch their feet, the foot will recoil. This is an Obama appointee and she's clearly just as dumb as he is. You know, and I think it's right to call these people dumb because they're book smart, but in terms of, of actual common sense, in terms of wisdom, in terms of any godly insight, I mean, they are just absolute dunces. Remember Obama famously saying, well, if my daughter gets pregnant, I don't want her punished with a baby. He, he meant that he should have said punished with a fetus. Remember, Obama was the champion against the Born Alive Infant Protection Act, which is now the law in Illinois. It couldn't pass while he was there in the state senate in Illinois because he single-handedly stopped it. He was that powerful in the Illinois state senate. He single-handedly stopped it. And all the law said, which is what laws all over the country in some states have got sent enough to pass these laws say, is that if you intend an abortion and the baby is born alive, the baby has a legal right to full medical care to preserve that baby's life. Obama said, no, 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 let it die. Because if you let it live, you're frustrating the will of the mother. Now, I'm not making it up, folks. You can look it up. That's, that was his position. It's still his position. I'd rather see the baby die that see the mother inconvenienced by the baby. Kill the baby. That's why when people talk about, you know, you didn't support Barack Obama, I wouldn't support him if he's the last person on earth. He's evil. That's evil, folks, that's evil. All these Christians running around behind him supporting him like he's some kind of messiah. It just, it just it, 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 thinking back on just disgusts me. Well, here's another disgusting individual. So she compares a living child in its mother's womb to a dead person whose body reacts if you touch the feet. I, of course, I don't even know that that's true, but that's what she's, she claims. Then she says, there are spontaneous acts by dead brain people. <sighs> well, this, this woman is, is, is wicked. Her thinking is truly twisted. People like this don't belong anywhere near the Supreme Court. Because, you know, the Supreme Court does not allow us to be deprived of life or property without due process of law, life, liberty, or property without due process of law. And so what she's saying is we can deprive these babies of life because they're not, they're not human. They're like a dead person. You can't deprive a dead person of life. They're already dead. She's comparing the baby to a dead person. I mean, can you believe it? And so she says, so I don't think that a response to by a fetus necessarily proves that there's a sensation of pain or that there's consciousness. Well, except the baby's not dead. A dead body, heart stopped beating, no brain waves, 
that's that's a that that is a body that's no longer from a Christian perspective. We know the person is no longer there. All that's left is the house, the physical encasement the person lived in. The person has gone there. They moved. That's just like if you move out of your house. You, you sold it. You walked away. It's, it's, it, 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 your furniture is gone. You've, go, you've, you've relocated somewhere else. And somebody walks up and says, oh, that's you. Or that's where you live. That's not, that's not where I live. That's not me. That's where I used to live. She's comparing that to a baby whose life is unfolding day by day. Who is going to one day become the fully mature human being that you and I are. And she's comparing that to a dead body. It, it, to me, once again, as I've said before, she may be a brilliant jurist in terms of her ability to analyze or read or understand legal materials. I don't know. But I'll tell you one thing, if she has any gifting any intelligence in that regard at all. When you move her outside of that realm where she is espousing principles with regard to how we as a nation, how we as individuals should live, it becomes clear that this woman is degenerate. She is depraved and she is evil. Now, I don't think that that's too strong. I think anybody who says something like what she's just said, I don't know what to say for them. And this is so fundamental. If you can't get the life issue right, I don't think you get much else right, if anything. Because that, to me, is fundamental. If you're willing to deprive a person of life because of your own philosophical leanings, you know, these leftists have been on television saying, this is what conservatives think of women. This is what we think of human beings. You know, that woman can have that baby, put that baby up for adoption if she doesn't want it, and she can go on with her life. That baby doesn't get a life if you kill it. I, I, you know... I don't even know how you work with people like that. I, I'm serious. I, I really don't. I mean, you got to love them because God commands us to do that. And I guess you got to try to find some redemptive qualities in them and try to help them get saved, help them, help them to see God, help them to see life in all of its beauty, in all of its glory as, as, as a gift that God gave us as his creation made in his image and in his likeness. You, you help somebody like that see the truth but whew, I mean, somebody that evil, I, I don't, I don't want to be anywhere near them. If that's your attitude and see, and I said the same thing about Barack Obama, a bunch of Christians went up and voted for him because they were so enamored of the color of his skin that nothing else mattered. Barack Obama did more to, to, to advance the cause of abortion and Barack Obama did more to advance the cause of homosexuality and transgenderism than any president in history. He was the first president in history to say that he believed that homosexual marriages and unions were a good thing and that we ought to admire them, that he, the man is depraved, he's degenerate. That's evil, that's wicked. I mean, he didn't, and, and didn't call himself a Christian. I mean, he could have said, 
I don't agree with it. Many of you don't. But I think people have a right to live their lives however they choose. And, you know, at least make a make a, a reasonable legal argument. But but making a moral argument that something homosexuality is something we ought to admire, same sex relationships is something we ought to admire. And yes, he did say that. I mean, I don't admire heterosexuality. It just it's just a biological fact. It is how God created us. And how we procreate. I mean, I marvel at God's beauty and his creativity and 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 <laughs> I mean, his, his infinite genius in what he has done. But I don't look at two people who are together, man and woman, and say, oh, wow, I really admire heterosexuality. I mean, that's stupid. Who says that? Who thinks that way? But Barack Obama said, we ought to admire same-sex relationships. Same thing here. And by the way, let me add this. I'm sure you all know that Sotomayor and the other liberals were saying that if we, if we strike down Roe v. Wade, or we allow this Mississippi law, which limits abortion after 15, which, which, which outlaws abortion after 15 weeks, if we do that, then that's going to have an impact on uh, Obergefell, which allowed same-sex marriage. And the, 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 the attorneys making the argument in behalf of this law, the Mississippi Attorney General and others were saying, no, 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 it won't affect those. But you know what? I hope it does. Because as far as I am concerned, Roe v. Wade is not valid law. And Obergefell is not valid law. And these decisions that have upheld things that are not in the Constitution are not valid law. Because what they do is they give the federal government power to regulate people in ways that the, the Constitution itself does not. Because the Constitution gives the federal government limited and enumerated powers. And it sets forth the fundamental rights in the Bill of Rights. And homosexuality and homosexual marriage is not one of them. The right to kill an unborn baby is not one of them. They made that up. They, meaning the Supreme Court, made that up. That's... That's something out of, the, out of the abyss of their own depraved hearts. Not out of the Constitution. And it is depraved. Because they took, they've taken two, those two things were two gigantic leaps. And by the way, once they made Roe v. Wade, the law of the land, they made abortion, the law of the land, abortion is okay. Once they did that, we didn't see it then. But, but homosexual marriage was inevitable. Because if you make up, in order to satisfy a cultural desire, you make up one law out of whole cloth, and you create a right out of whole cloth, you know as soon as the left comes up with another one, they're going to do another one. I mean, I, I, pretty soon, we're going to have Supreme Court decisions. And in fact, Gorsuch has already said he's redefined sex to include gender identity. So pretty soon, you're going to have a fundamental legal right to walk into your job on a Tuesday after going there on Monday as a man, to walk in your job on Tuesday dressed as a woman, and nobody can say anything. You, got to, you give them your new name, and you tell them you're now, you were Joseph, and you're now Josephine, and everybody's got to call you Josephine and all that. And if your employer says, hey, this is disruptive, this is in the way of my business, I, I, people are... 
you, you got to go. Oh, 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 you violated my fundamental civil rights. You got a right to, to be mentally ill and, 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 and you got a right to get treatment for it. You don't have a right to disrupt everybody else's life in order to force everybody else to buy into your perversion and your sickness. Well, folks, if I ever run for office again, you can rest assured that things I've just said will be brought up. And so let me just say now, I offer no apology because I'm giving you a perspective based upon the word of God, not based upon the New York Times, uh, the New York Lying Times, or the Washington Compost, or any of these other leftist rags that are so godless and idolatrous and wicked and evil and twisted in their perspective that I am happy to have them attack me. Because it just tells me that I'm on the right page, that I'm, I'm on the right side. When they go after me, which they have in the past, when they go after me, that tells me I'm absolutely where I need to be. Because you know what? I represent the perspective, I think, of most Americans. I really believe that. I don't care what the polls say. say, yeah, but the polls say attitudes have shifted. Let me tell you what's happened. What's happened is Americans have been browbeaten and threatened and intimidated and pressured and, and uh, faced the potential loss of their jobs, the undermining of their businesses, and Americans just say, oh, yeah, 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 me too, me too, yeah, 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 whatever, whatever. So they can go on and live their lives, take their children out of public schools when they can, put them in a Christian school or private school where they're going to be taught the way they want them to be taught, and just keep their heads down and do their jobs and earn a living and stay out of it. But I think if you removed all of that pressure and you asked Americans what they really think, I really believe that overwhelmingly Americans would say, people can live life any way they want to. That's none of my business, however they choose to live. But I refuse to be told that I'm a bigot, I'm a hater, I'm, I'm a homophobe because I don't agree with homosexuality and I don't agree that same-sex marriage is valid. You know, you want to live your life, go live it. But stop trying to force it on me. Stop trying to force it on my children. Stop trying to teach my children that homosexuality and transgenderism is something good and desirable because I don't agree with it. I think when I say those things, I'm representing the overwhelming majority of the American people. But the mainstream media, the colleges and universities, the corporate world, they've so bought into the sickness the Sodom and Gomorrah culture that when you stand up and say what I say, oh, oh, he's a bigot, he's a hater, oh, 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 oh. And the reality is they're the ones who are hateful of people like me because they don't know the love of God. They don't know they're going to answer one day for, for all of this, this perversion that they're pushing on people. And they don't know they're going to answer in a horrible way for the, for, for, it, look, the, the LGBTQ movement is responsible for that pedophile ODU professor who finally came out and said what many of them have been thinking and they've been writing about for years now in Salon Magazine and other places where it doesn't get a lot of attention, which is there's really nothing wrong with pedophilia. It's just another sexual orientation. And let's not call them pedophiles. Let's call them maps, minor attractive persons. 
And had it not been for a hue and cry from the public, ODU would have patted him on the head and said, yeah, go back to teaching class. You're brilliant. You're, we, we appreciate these great insights you're bringing us. Because he's not the only one. There's a bunch of them out there. Because once you, once you remove the restrictions that God puts on us and you start creating your own, once you remove the moral principles that God gives to us and you start creating your own, it's a free-for-all. It's a free-for-all. And folks, I'm not saying this to shock you. I'm saying this because I really mean it and I know it's true. I've been saying for years, pedophilia is next, and now we're seeing it. We're seeing it rear its ugly head. Because as far as I'm concerned, anybody who wants to talk to a preschooler or a kindergartner about sex is a pedophile. Yeah, something's wrong with you. Normal adults don't want to talk to children about sex. So something's wrong with you. And to step between parents and their children and say, I'm going to teach this child and be, and be trying to, in effect, recruit children into homosexuality and deviancy and transgenderism. And then point the finger at me and say, I'm the bad guy for, for calling this out. There's a bunch of them running around in the closet and the LGBTQ movement wants to bring them out. They want to normalize pedophilia. That's what they really want. They want to normalize pedophilia. And in the meantime, there's a big recruitment effort going on. You know that 30% of Generation Z kids identify as LGBTQ. You think that's because of somehow biologically or psychologically they're predisposed to that? No, they've been recruited into it. They think it's cool now. What's your pronoun? That's the thing now among, the, among Generation Z. And unless it's arrested, it's only going to get worse with generation, I forget what's next. I think it's Y. Oh, no. Oh, no. No, there's another, another letter. No, that's right, because I think Y and Z are already, uh, X and Y are already gone. So Z is, <laughs> Z is the youngest. But, but it's, it, it's going to get worse. And I guarantee, here's what I was going to say that you may find shocking, but I guarantee you, if, unless this mess is culturally arrested, and I intend to be a part of helping it to be culturally arrested, and I commend all those people who are standing up against this evil. But before you know it, you're going to be told that there's nothing wrong with bestiality. They won't call it bestiality, but they're going to say people can have relations with their animals because that's part of how they express love with their animals. I say, now, wait a minute, Bishop, you're, you're, you're going a little bit too far. That's a little too far-fetched. Look, folks. Everything that's happening now, one day we would say it was far-fetched and that it's never going to happen. When I was fighting the gay rights bill in Massachusetts in the mid-1980s and I told people, you know, the next thing they're going to do, they're going to want to say, they're going to want marriage between homosexuals. And I had people tell me, well, why are you, why are you bringing that? That's, come on, that's ridiculous. No, everybody knows that's, that will never happen. I'm serious. People, we know that'll never happen. I said, uh-huh, yeah, you, you watch. So, well, how did you know? I'm, I'm not claiming any prophetic gift to do that. I do have a prophetic gift, but I'm not, that's not the basis for that. You know what it is? I know that sin never gets enough. Sin doesn't have a cutoff. Sin doesn't have satiation. Sin always wants more. And it's always going to continue to push the envelope. Now, I was going to say, 
you may find that to be a bit far-fetched and I wasn't going to use this on my radio program because frankly, it's just too disgusting. Uh, let me see if I can find the story though, but there was a story at, yeah, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. A woman on a Delta flight was breastfeeding her cat out in the open. And people took pictures of it and reported her. I don't know what they did to her, but apparently the authorities had a, had a talk with her afterwards. That's bestiality folks. She was doing it on a flight. And the thing is, she refused to stop, even though the crew told about it, came back and asked her to please stop that. And she would not stop breastfeeding her cat. Real story, folks, not making it up. I found that in air live magazine. And they've got a picture of the, of the, um, flight attendant trying to get this woman to stop, but she wouldn't stop. And you think I'm, I'm just yeah, Bishop come on. No, come on. Nobody's ever going to try to normalize bestiality. You got a woman breastfeeding her cat on an airplane in the open so everybody can see it because sin never gets enough that deep. Once you throw off God's restrictions, once you throw off God's moral parameters, well, what, what, what are the valid parameters? Well, there aren't any others well, except what people make up. So you tell somebody, well, wait, wait, wait a minute now. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Sex with children. That's, that's, that's disgusting. That's horrible. That's monstrous. Says who? Says who? You? Oh, that's your opinion. Well, I have a different opinion. That's your truth. I have my own truth. Oh, wait, wait, wait. sex with animals. That's come on. That's, that's beyond the pale. Says who? You, that's your truth. I have my own truth. That's where the left is taking us. Unless this stuff is, 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 is stopped, unless it is arrested. And to think we've got people on the Supreme Court who compare a living baby in its mother's uterus to a dead body tells you just how depraved we are. And more, it sure does tell you how important it is to have a president of the United States who's going to appoint people with Judeo-Christian values as their foundation in life. It's not enough that they're conservative. They need to be, they, frankly, in my view, they, they need to at least be steeped and, 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 and grounded in Judeo-Christian principles and ideals. Because otherwise, I wonder what... I see. I think the reason why so many conservative justices become more liberal as time goes on is because they're not rooted and grounded in anything but their own personal opinions. And in order to be accepted at the cocktail parties, in order to get the, you know, the fellowship of some of these, these leftists in the swamp, you know, if you go more liberal, they like you more. And then before you know it, you're, you're, you're one of the crew, you're accepted. You're in, you're, you're with the in crowd. But when you're a Christian, when you're steeped and rooted in the word of God, you don't care whether they like you or not. You don't care whether they approve you or not. 
because you know what you're standing up for is eternal truth and it does not change. That baby in that woman's womb is the creation of almighty God who says, I knew you as I was forming you in your mother's womb. See, God is, I, I really believe this. Man, this is, this, is, this is Holy Ghost truth. God is having interaction and fellowship with that baby that human beings can't fully understand. When God says, I knew you, that doesn't just mean I see you. That word know in scripture is always a word of intimate connection, relationship. And God says, I had a relationship with you when you were being formed in your mother's womb. And you got arrogant human beings who believe that they can step in and kill that baby because it's convenient for them. And you got a Supreme Court justice going to compare that baby to a dead body. <sighs> Let's get to the word, folks. Let's get to the word, shall we? I mean, you know, this, this stuff is, it is just abominable and oh God have mercy upon our beloved country. We, we, we need God folks. We need God. When you have degenerates like that sitting on the highest court in the land, we need God. And we need a president who's going to appoint more Supreme court justices. I, in fact, I'll go so far as to say this. We need a president who will support appoint Supreme Court justices who know and love God. Let me say it like that, who know and love God. Because those people, if they know and love God, they know better than to sanction or support in any way the killing of an unborn baby. Because they know they got to stand before God and give an account for that. If they know God, they know better to support a sick, degenerate union so-called marriage between two people of the same gender, because they know they have to stand before God and give an account for that. And they're going to look at the Constitution and know that to say that the Constitution sanctions that is a lie. It doesn't. Comes out of the wickedness of human imagination, not the, not the written text of the Constitution. I'll tell you what, by the time these leftists get finished interpreting the Constitution. The Constitution won't be worth a bucket of spit because it'll, it'll be meaningless. It means whatever they want it to mean. All right, let's, let's get back to, let's get back to Colossians. Whew. Folks, I've, I've gotten a little worked up about that because I tell you what, that just, it, it just galls me that a person of that high position can be that that depraved and debased. All right, let's come back to Colossians. Um, let's see, where do we, where do we leave off? Um, we left off at verse 16 of chapter one. Wow, we're moving through this slowly, but, the, but these verses are so rich for by him, all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And of course that him is Jesus Christ. He is the creative power of almighty God. 
By the way, I had somebody look at my website, uh, the church website, and, and question me about the, the formulation of the Trinity. God is a Trinity. I am a Trinitarian Christian. I believe in, there's another word, a word that is, is often used, which I think is even better, which is triunity. Um, I am a triunity Christian, meaning, and this is the way I formulate it, God is not three gods. God is one God, but he is three persons. He is three persons. And by the way, I didn't say he's manifested as three persons because that, that sounds like he's simply appearing in different forms. No, no, no. He is three persons. The Godhead is three persons. That's why the Bible refers to it, refers to him as the Godhead. He is three persons. He is Father, he is Son, he is Holy Spirit. And through the Son, God the Father created all things. We know in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, through the Holy Spirit, the Son used the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in the, in the beginning, um, the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. And God said, that God said is a phrase that indicates the Father speaking through the Son. And the Holy Spirit hovered on the face of the waters indicates that the Holy Spirit is the power that God used to manifest the power of his word. Wow. God is a triune God. He is a trinity. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All equally God, but one God in three persons. It says in the 17th verse, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Now, by the way, that word all things consists, sinistao, it means all things are ordered together through him. All things congeal, all things hold together. In other words, Jesus Christ is the power by which the world holds together. You could say it this way. He is the power by which the, 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 the earth revolves around the sun. He is the power by which the planets and the stars and the galaxies are held in place. On him, all things consist. I said, there's a, I use this in John 1, 3 says, he made all things. Uh, Hebrews 1, 1, 3, I think says, he frames all things. Well, not that he upholds all things. And Hebrews 11, 3 says, and he frames all things. Made, upholds, in other words, sustains all things. And frames all things means the same as here, consists, puts all things in order. You know, this is so different than the, than the, the, the craziness, the, the, the evolutionary and Darwinian nonsense that says, all that we see, everything, is just an accident. 
It's just happenstance. Um, natural selection, random mutation. You and I are just, we just won the evolutionary lottery. We happen to be the ones who climbed out of the cosmic ooze and ended up at the top of the food chain. We're just glorified animals, nothing more. We live, we die, and that's that. I mean, what a, what a fatalistic, empty, and lying and false way to view life and the world. I mean, we, we, we basically have a bunch of people who are in effect existentialists. And you know the existentialists, Paul Sartre and Albert Camus and a number of others who believe that life was essentially meaningless. I mean, they bought into all of that, that nonsense. And that, you know, killing yourself was no different than getting up in the morning and eating breakfast. What difference does it make? And of course, many of the existentialists did commit suicide as a supreme act of their philosophical conviction that life has no ultimate meaning. And whether you live or die doesn't really matter. So you kill yourself, who cares? What difference does it make? No, but we are made in the image and likeness of God. And the reason why you and I, these complex bodies that we have, and you know, think about this folks. Wow, hear this. If your body is complex and your body is not what your life force is, your body is the thing through which life flows. And if it's complex, I mean, infinitely complex, think about how complex we are spiritually. Did you ever think about this? That the spirit and the soul are complex organisms, if you will, or spiritual mechanisms, if you will, with even greater complexity than the physical body. Because after all, the physical body will go back to the dust. You and I, particularly we as Christians, nobody's going to die or lose consciousness, die in the sense of losing consciousness, because those who die without Christ are going to be very conscious in hell. And those who are in Christ are going to be very conscious in heaven. We're not going to lose our identity. We're not going to lose who we are. In fact, who we are is going to be so magnificently and infinitely enhanced that we can't even begin to fathom it. But guess what? If you die in sin, then that reality will be enhanced for you for all of eternity. You die in Christ, the reality of you having chosen him and chosen righteousness and chosen the love of God, you will experience for all of eternity in a beauty and a fullness and a majesty that here again, our, our, our minds encased in these physical brains can't begin to fathom. I mean, this is, in him, you consist, spirit, soul, and body. You consist, all of that working together. He, he holds everything together. It says in the 18th verse, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. And just like the, your, your head is the head of your body, 
your whole body operates based upon what's here. Okay. I mean, these gestures I'm making are all controlled by my brain, which again is so complex that there's no computer made that can even come close. This brain can make a computer, but a computer can't make a brain. <laughs> Jesus is the head of the body. The, the church is his body. He is the controlling factor. He is, he is the guide. He is the leader. He is the one who is determining how the body operates. See, the church is not an organization. The church is an organism and the head of that organism is the Lord Jesus Christ. It says he is the head of the body, the church and the word church there, ecclesia, the called out ones. I've said before, when we interpret uh, Matthew 16, eight, which says when Jesus tells Peter on this rock, I will build my church that he uses the word there, ecclesia. That was a common word of the day. It wasn't unusual or it didn't have only a, what we now think of as ecclesiastical import. Uh, the word ecclesiastical comes from that word ecclesia. What it had was governmental and authority import uh, so that there was an ecclesia of the Pharisees and an ecclesia of the tribe of the scribes and an ecclesia of the Roman a government, an ecclesia of the centurions. In other words, they all had their governing decision-making bodies. Of course, in Rome, Caesar's at the head of all that. But Jesus said, on this rock, I'll build my, and I say the emphasis on that scripture should not be on ecclesia because ecclesia was a common word of the day. When people heard him use that word, they would have thought, oh, so there are many of these ecclesias but you're going to have one too. So Jesus was saying on this rock, I'll build my, 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 my ecclesia and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In other words, the gates of hell will prevail against every other ecclesia. It will be captured by hell. It will serve hell. It will go down into hell but the gates of hell will not prevail against my ecclesia, my called out ones, my governing body, my council of deliberation, my decision-making group. As we see the word authority is implicit in that word ecclesia. And I've said many times, I don't have time to get into it now. I'll go back to some of my earlier sermons uh, this year. Oh, I guess about a month or two ago, and you'll see me teaching about authority and the authority of the believer, the authority of the Christian. Jesus was called talking about an authoritative body, not a body of worship, although we, that's part of our, our role, not a body of, of, of a fellowship, although that's part of what we do too. But there he was talking about a body of governing, a body of authority, a body of decision-making, a body of deliberation. And that's been completely lost on the church. It really has. By the way, the word church does not come from the word ecclesia. The word church is a, is a, is a derivation of the word that refers to the Lord, kurios, K-U-R-I-O-S, the Greek word kurios. And from that word, kurike came to mean 
the people of the, the Lord. Kurios means the Lord. Kurike, the people of the Lord. Are you hearing? Kurike, and then from a K to a CH, Churich, Kurik. In fact, in Swedish, C-H-U-R-C-H-E, Kurich, Kurik, is how you pronounce, is, 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 is where the word church comes from. Yeah, I think the, the, the derivation ultimately came down through in, through the German, uh, but but church and Kirk, the word the name Kirk, is the word church. Now, you know somebody named Kirk, and they probably know this already, but yeah, that's what their name means. Their name means church. It means the people of the Lord. Kirk. But ecclesia, which is what Jesus used here, meant a called out body. Kordios means a relational body. Kordike means a relational body, the people of the Lord. Ecclesia means a deliberative, authoritative body. The people of the Lord doing the Lord's business. Wow. Praise God. 18th verse, let me end here, says, oh, no, I finished this 18th verse, says, he is the head of the body, the church who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence, and he does. Whether the world likes it or not, he has the preeminence. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. You chosen seed of Israel's race, you ransom from the fall. Hail him who saves you by his grace and crown him Lord of all. Let every kindred, every tribe on this terrestrial ball to him all majesty ascribe and crown him Lord of all. Praise God. That's going to do it for today, folks. We'll pick up on verse 19 tomorrow and we'll have some commentary for you as well here on Wisdom Awakening. God bless each and every one of you. I love you. Pray for me. I'm praying for you. And remember, we cannot be defeated if we will not quit because we are on God's side.